0: okay yeah Are you still there
1: yeah i'm still here all right okay let's just let's just go here's, hold open
0: here's the beginning of the podcast
1: here's the beginning of the podcast this is
0: how it starts i don't know how we're supposed to start the first episode but i guess i was
1: i was gonna start with a um just a question for you i thought that'd be a okay. good way to start it off
0: i like it that is- sure
1: how many times do you think you've actually seen Lost in Translation? <laughs> <laughs> because I feel you used to tell me that you used to watch that film like all the well, time. Like it was your comfort film. It
0: was, it was one of the movies I had. Um, like when I was um, in, I can't remember if it was when I was in Japan for like school or something, but there was a period of time where I didn't have an internet connection. Yeah. And um I had just like a hard drive of movies and mm. I watched I watched There Will Be Blood like every day for a month, which was really stupid. <laughs> I think I did the same thing with the social <laughs> network and Lost in Translation was one of the other ones I did that with too. So gotcha. I, I think I've definitely watched it more than 30 times <laughs> at this point. Yeah.
1: It's definitely yeah. my most I watched mean- Coppola
0: or Sophia couple.
1: Of yeah, I've only I mean that's the only one of her films that I've seen more than once besides Somewhere. Now, all the other ones I hadn't seen prior to this uh past two weeks. Yeah. Um, the
0: only one I hadn't seen was I think Marie Antoinette and On the Rocks, of course. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, and I hadn't seen Lost in Translation for a very long time yeah when's the last time you saw it god i mean just years ago i i can't even remember do you like do you
0: remember like like where I, when I,
1: I don't even know i i have no idea mm. but yeah i watched it again and i mean i own it on dvd yeah um and
0: can we get a yeah, criterion it's... release on that I'd i'd really like that <laughs>
1: I mean, uh, yeah, maybe. They got the That'd be interesting. Virgin
0: Suicides, but...
1: Oh, they do? I didn't know that. Yeah,
0: but they don't have loss in Translation. And I'd really like for like that movie to be remastered and put in a nice box or something.
1: Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah. Uh, I think that it's definitely a film that like... It, it's It's weird because... It, it it's one of those films that I think is very like widely known and beloved for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. But it's also one of those films that's like that sort of cliche film student kind of favorite movie, you know? Oh for along sure. with, like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah. So like if you say you like that film, you're kind of a loser in some <laughs> circles. <laughs> um
0: you can't say that to me i've watched it too many times well i'm not saying that you
1: i don't i'm not saying that i'm saying that to some people in some circles because it has that kind of reputation for sure yeah for more like pretentious you know i'm a film buff kind of guy (laughs) like you know um but i you know and i think we both think all that sort of pretension is ...is really kind of stupid and just gets in the way of... Yeah,
0: I mean, if you like a movie, you like a movie, and, you know, I don't know, doesn't...
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting to examine why, but I don't think it, you know, the fact alone can can tell you a lot about somebody. Yeah. Because people engage with art in all sorts of different ways, and I think that's something that we might actually get to in this discussion, um, because there's certainly a lot of controversy around sophia's films
0: oh yeah yeah i mean i guess it's inevitable that well i'm not sure if it's we're thinking the exact same thing but yeah she's definitely not uh yeah she there's some controversy regarding yeah some of, I mean, there's like even with Lost in Translation, there's a bit of controversy over like the depiction of of like the Japanese people in that movie and Japanese culture. And then of course, like yeah, yeah, you can't
1: it,
0: you can't really talk about Sofia Coppola without talking about nepotism in Hollywood, I guess. Either.
1: Oh, totally, yeah, and I think I mean, even you know, I think the interesting conversation there as well is that like, I mean, her privilege. Um, and her kind of status and, and, uh, you know, class and upbringing are really prominent in a lot of her films, either, you know, as an explicit theme or, you know, just kind of through the characters she makes films about or through the way that certain people are portrayed. I mean, I think Marie Antoinette is the best example of it. I mean, she's literally like, relating to through herself and relating to the experiences of what she considered to be a, you know, misunderstood historical <laughs> woman, right. Who was famous for, you know, being perceived as like uncaring and disconnected from the sort of general population. Yeah. Um, so I think that that in itself is kind of, you know, a bit telling maybe not of her attitude but simply of her perspective yeah
0: well the thing is is that like i mean it's nice to know that you know that she's being like honest about the stories that she's telling she's not like trying to tell a story Mm -hmm. or something that isn't her own she's yeah totally definitely it's coming from like uh you know genuine and like her own personal experiences and something that she understands
1: Yeah, I I think that's definitely true, and I think that, you know, I mean, to me, still her strongest film is uh, lost in translation Yeah, in a lot of ways. I think Um, so, too. And I think it's, you know, sort of relationship and adjacence to the film world, and even in somewhere um as well i think it's depictions of the characters and their attitudes are are definitely the most like believable and realistic yeah. and you know she's very she's been very steeped in that culture her whole life so it's not you know too inconceivable to think that she would have an accurate depiction of what you know an old kind of washed up actor or a you know burnt out hollywood celebrity would feel like
0: yeah i mean i think she's actually she mentioned before that like she spent time in the chateau Marmont in mm. in hollywood yeah and just like yeah, yeah yeah um has seen those characters like in that movie um yeah that are actually there at that at that hotel
1: yeah i mean and even you know the bling rings relationship to celebrity as well i mean that film obviously is all about celebrity with You know, it's excessive references to Paris Hilton and, you know, other uh, female stars and the whole culture of obsession around, you know, people who kind of live in that world. Yeah. Um, But I think there's a lot to talk about with Sophia's films, which, you know, to me is something that I you know, respect about any sort of artist, regardless of, you know, where my opinion ends up falling on them or how I relate to their art. I think that, you know, uh, creating something that is interesting and at least portrays an honest perspective or experience from some, you know, in, in some way is, is Kind of the bare minimum, I guess. Yeah. For me being really, like, interested yeah. in a piece of artwork. Yeah. But I guess we should just get into it. So this is the Internet Film Cafe. Episode one. And I'm Kevin. This is Kent. Hello. And this is, yeah, this is a... Um, this is a podcast where we talk about films over the internet. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we just, Pretty I much even,
0: it. I actually, I don't know. This isn't really required. I didn't even say anything, but I got myself a cup of tea, like in a thermos here. Oh yeah. Started. I was
1: going to make tea, but I, I didn't really feel like it. So I just have water. I'm drinking, so that's what I'm drinking today. I'm drinking some just water.
0: Harney's English breakfast tea.
1: Yeah, I'll get a I'll get a coffee or something next time. Yeah, maybe.
0: Yeah, um, what? I guess I guess we should also. Um, I, I'd like to mention that uh, I think it's safe to say that neither of us are really qualified to talk about movies in any sort of way. We're just sort of fans of movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's them. fair. I mean, yeah, We're not. It's we don't have any degrees <laughs> or anything.
1: Yeah, but what are what are qualifications worth anyway? <laughs> not much um but anyways this is this is our first episode and it is on all of the feature films so far of sofia coppola um yep. in i guess uh you know a sort of retrospective as her new film just came out on apple tv plus yep which I Yep. did a free trial of and will cancel immediately <laughs> um so thank you, Apple TV Plus, for letting me watch that one film. <laughs> um, and now I will no longer be using your service. It's like the one uh, movie
0: that's come out on Apple TV that I'm, like, know, mildly interested in. Everything else, it just seems so terrible. Yeah,
1: I know. I didn't even bother looking at their at their other stuff, because I already kind of know the collection they have. Yeah. Well, yeah, so Sophia's career, um, I mean... It's definitely an interesting one whenever you're making films from, you know, her position. I mean, you already mentioned nepotism, but um I think that the one thing you have to admit about Sophie is that her films definitely stand on their own. And I She's think it's good. pretty easy. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy to interpret her career and talk about her career without even mentioning anything but her own films um and the only thing that i think contributes to her as an artist in regards to her you know uh privilege and um you know her her sort of status as royalty within the american film industry is that perspective that it lends to her artwork yeah um you know and I, I don't think it is a case of nepotism at all because she's definitely good enough of a filmmaker i think to warrant being able to make those kind of films yeah i guess
0: you know nepotism um, only gets it's only one of those things where um at least within within filmmaking and maybe within art um it's only i think it's only really a bad thing if the person is there and they don't really deserve to be there.
1: Um yeah, totally. I mean, I think that's the whole point of people being upset about nepotism is undeserved.
0: Yeah. And I guess her, you know, her infamous role in Godfather 3 is like a good example of it <laughs> because that's like nepotism.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's just not I can't an actor. even speak she, to that. You know. I haven't even seen Godfather 3, so I have no oh, okay. I have no comment on uh,
0: she she's just not really good but i was reading a quote um from her about it and it's kind of interesting her perspective on it cuz for for her it was something that she was just she was just sort of trying out and um the godfather series to her like growing up was just like a thing that she grew up around so she right yeah <laughs> she wasn't yeah, aware yeah, 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 of yeah. like how Mm -hmm. beloved and how intense of a reaction um it could you know just her being in that movie and not not doing so well could generate um so it's kind of funny because to her she was just kind of doing it for fun and yeah i i think that's sort of how um she sees it as she was yeah. just sort of doing it for fun she didn't realize like how you know culturally significant that movie really was to the rest of the world so
1: yeah it it kind of um you know it kind of reminds me of a bit of the reaction somewhat um to marie antoinette a bit of the critical reaction that was had yeah
0: people freaked out about that movie at can i think i think it got booze and a standing ovation mm-hmm. or something like that
1: yeah there was a lot of mixed reaction to that and i think a lot of it um at least from what i read just kind of briefly researching it after i watched it was that a lot of the people were upset at the sort of portrayal of marie antoinette as kind of a person mm-hmm. um and this sort of like maybe flirting with historical revisionism in a way, right. Um, and that, you know this kind of person had become this, this symbol of what the French Revolution sought to kind of do away with. So to portray that in a in a, you know, sympathetic light is to some people, in a sense, (laughs) (laughs) counter-revolutionary. Right. Uh, You know, which is uh, an odd sentiment to have now that I think it's safe to say that people who lived through that time period maybe um, aren't around anymore. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't know how many French journalists had a kind of personal you know, relation but I, I think that you know it's it's the kind of the the cultural symbol it's, it's the same thing about you know like statues of confederate generals in the south or right what have you where you know these things are not as much about the sort of historical realism a lot of the time and people try and make that point but um you know it that's not how people relate to history and I don't think it's necessarily how people should always have to relate to history as well. Yeah. And I think there's a lot interesting to unpack in that film. Yeah, I think, um, it, I
0: think making the sort of re- relating it to like Confederate statues and that sort of stuff um, made it make more sense to me because my, my historical knowledge of the French Revolution is extremely small. Um, yeah so is mine i
1: i don't have a great understanding of it as well i just yeah. kind of know
0: you know that taxes were getting really high and people were fed up and stuff but yeah certainly i, I mean you know and the movie is shown you know it was shown at Cannes it's a bunch of french people who probably know it you know a lot better it's
2: yeah it means something yeah to it's, them too. it's important it's to symbolic. them. so
0: yeah. definitely seeing that sort of depiction like because the movie like really you know i mean it's a really american movie about you know i mean and kirsten Dunst is like you know i i mean we've talked about how we sort of like like dislike her or whatever although i watched her in melancholia i really liked her in that but i don't like her in this role because her face just kind of reminds me of like like <laughs> like a bubbly cheerleader sort of type and it just i don't know it didn't yeah. And her face I, just I doesn't actually feel right. Mm hmm. I guess. I mean, that's obviously like just personal bias. Like, I have no. <laughs> I don't really have any reason for it besides it just kind of felt off and the movie just feels like very, you know, American. I still enjoyed it personally, probably just because I'm ignorant enough of the French Revolution not to be. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Not to be offended by not its to be offended by why it's bad. Yeah. I'd
0: be more than happy to yeah. listen to someone who knows about it and tell me why. <laughs>
1: but yeah, um, I mean, I, I, well, I can't speak to the the historical context of it, but I think I can take a more modern approach to how it sort of deals with privilege and class on its own, just those concepts. Yeah, um, and. I think it's it's a good place to start with Sophia because I think it is kind of her most telling film in a way um, because she's kind of inserting her perspective into something that's like very disconnected from her, you know. Like you said, it's a very an American film. Yeah. Um, And there's a very clear relationship if you know about her as an artist and you take that into the film. There's a very clear relationship between, you know, her artistic perspective and the way the character of Marie Antoinette is portrayed. Um, and these sort of, you know, it's an artistic choice, even if you make it unconsciously, right? to, as a film, put more weight and more impact on the sort of, you know... Um, like feelings and perspective of this one pretty central character Mm -hmm. in the French revolution over the suffering of the entire French population, because not only is it, it's, it's not that the, you know, the, the thing that really struck me is about that film is that, um, you know, it focuses just on Marie Antoinette and, you know, this sort of royal and aristocratic world. Um, but there is an introduction at the end of the greater public. Mm-hmm. But that's only shown in its relation to the royal family. So the the film is, you know, like, like I think a good metaphor for it. It would be like, driving through a poor neighborhood in like tinted win- window limousine. Right. Yeah. There's a very distance and very like completely disconnected perspective that the film takes on the sort of class struggle that's, that's happening. Um, and it's not something that is like, it's something that's completely relevant to the plot of the film as well, because, you know, the character that the titular character gets beheaded yeah. because of the suffering of these people. Yeah. It's a direct kind of correlation there, but the French populace and, you know, like Bastide day is literally just mentioned offhand by one of the characters yeah. in one scene, never shown. Yeah. Um, and the sort of peasantry and lower class only shows up towards, you know, the end of the film um and i don't necessarily like think that that's a um like i don't want to be overly critical of sophie as an artist for that like i don't think the movie is bad because of that but i think what it says as a piece of art is is very like interesting and it's easy to see why it's so contentious because because of that just juxtaposition of perspectives there
0: yeah and i think this kind of goes back to the thing i was saying earlier about how i don't think sophia does anything that's dishonest to herself like it's it's her honest perspective and she's just putting on Mm -hmm. the screen like how she genuinely feels so i i really don't think it was her intention to you know um I guess you know to make to make the movie feel like you know, riding an attempted limousine through a poor neighborhood. I don't think she meant to do that, but that's literally just like I think she's that's like
1: that's who she that's is that's who yeah. she is <laughs> not, yeah no, it is not yeah. by choice <laughs> she's just, hotly she yeah, she's literally royalty yeah in a, in a very real sense she is she is you know royalty within the sphere of hollywood yeah so it makes sense that she sort
0: of you know sympathizes her with marie Antoinette. Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and i think in that way it can serve as a very you know interesting piece of art because it provides that perspective yeah um the problem is is that that perspective is is just usually overrepresented yeah you know just like white men are overrepresented in most films right you know, so is so sort of the upper class. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's why like film movements like Italian neorealism were so important and kind of jarring um, because it was a rejection of those, you know, perspectives and uh, traditions within film mm-hmm. um, and how they dealt with, you know, class and the types of stories that were being told. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, like, but you, you can't expect, you know, Sofia Coppola to make bicycle thieves.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, and if she if she tried to, I think I'd be more upset. She
1: wouldn't. Yeah, it'd be terrible. I'd, I'd be um, mad
0: that she's doing something yeah. that's like you don't know anything about this. <laughs> this is yeah. You don't know what yep. what that's like. I don't know what that's like, so I wouldn't ever do that. She's just making stuff that she knows. I
1: think, yeah, I think that it's. Um, you know, we can talk about the choice of music in that film too, because it's pretty interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah what do you think about that? I actually liked okay, it. Okay, I did I liked too. It a lot. I thought I thought it. I, would- I thought it gelled with the the this, the. I mean, you know, if you remove all the historical context, um, which I think, in one way, is a legitimate way to view the film, at least partially, because. You know, it really isn't a story about the history of that. It's, it's really just being used as a kind of framework to tell this story about, you know, the relation between, you know, a woman and her, you know, femininity and how she fits into this high-class society. Yeah. Um, which... You know, I think Sofia Coppola has some interesting kind of perspectives on. Yeah. And I think the, the choice of music, uh, you know, just kind of emphasizes. And I actually quite like Kirsten Dunst in that film because I think that she embodies the character in a way that adds a lot of depth to what I think could have been a pretty bland portrayal yeah um and i think this sort of to me the film kind of falls flat at the end and that's actually a problem i have with a lot of sofia's films um somewhere yeah somewhere is a big one at least for me um but yeah i didn't like the end of on the rocks at all I actually didn't.
0: it was i thought it was pretty bad
1: Yeah, um, but I think that, you know, Marie Antoinette isn't one of the worst offenders, but the whole third act really is problematic because it it kind of necessitates the introduction of the French Revolution. Yeah. Um, I think the French Revolution is kind of, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, it's kind of contrary to the narrative of the film. I think that she was kind of just, you know, she wanted to tell this story about this character. And then this sort of like event just happened <laughs> because she's telling a historical story. Yeah. And that's what happened in history. Yeah. Um, so I think that's another one of the reasons that the, the French Revolution really isn't addressed or shown,
2: yeah. you know,
1: in the whole aftermath. Because it wasn't just like the the revolutionaries captured Marie Antoinette and then immediately brought her to be beheaded. I mean, there's, you know, there was a whole year's worth of, you know, being on trial and, um, King Louis being executed first. And then, you know, it took them a long time to process her and bring her to trial and all this kind of stuff. Um, So it almost just felt like this, like she kind of had to do that, but it didn't really fit in the sort of character arc, um, and the sort of like overall trajectory of the story, yeah. Um, so and I think that's why the music and why Kirsten Dunst works so well for me because, you know, really the the way that film works the best is just kind of the story about this character with all of this historical. You know, context really just being window dressing. You know what I mean? Yeah. um And I think you can fault the film in that way. I don't as know. Well. Maybe
0: she should have leaned harder and, like, you know, done did like a Wes Anderson and make it like a fictional universe and just like
1: try yeah. And get no, away. I think maybe that that better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in a lot of the ways, I do see sophia Coppola as pretty similar to Wes Anderson. I mean. It's not surprising. I mean, Roman Coppola's <laughs> yeah frequent he's, collaborator. Yeah, he's always something. around. <laughs> so I mean, they kind of come from they come from the same time period. They started making films around the same time. Yeah. Um. And so they're they're kind of steeped and in a similar sort of. I condition. think they
0: both. I mean, I'm trying to think, but I think basically every West film is like. It's usually about privileged people, people like upper class, people who are bored, yeah. that sort of stuff. So yeah. similar sort of themes going on.
1: But, you know, in a film like Grand Budapest Hotel, the class aspect isn't kind of ignored. It's actually quite played into. yeah. Um, So Wes's films usually address that, and it's usually significant in some way mm-hmm. to what's going on and i think that that's something that you know copeless films are definitely lacking in and why it's probably uh, hard for people to really get into a film like you know somewhere and might have been hard for me when i first saw it and didn't like it at all Mm -hmm. um whereas the second time i think having watched all of her other films going into it i was a lot more open to its ideas and characters because they kind of felt like they were building on it Mm mm-hmm um, I think that film makes a lot more sense and works a lot better within the sort of canon of her filmography yeah. uh, as a standalone film. I think it's very confusing and weird. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: Did you know that somewhere won the, um, it won golden lion at Venice? I think that's, yeah, that's really I think, interesting. I think it won golden lion at Venice and Tarantino was huh. one of the judges. Hmm. And, um, yeah, it was Tarantino and I forgot someone, someone else that we know but yeah they yeah. give it somewhere which is crazy to me which um because i i i still like the movie but the same sort of um when the first time i watched it like the parts where i was like oh i didn't really like that it was like the same exact thing i just watched yeah, it again yeah, and yeah. i just had like the same sort of yeah reaction to I the same a, beats b-
1: yeah, I had a bit more tolerance for the father-daughter relationship in it. I still think it's a bit of a poor man's Paper Moon. Yeah. I mean, a lot of father-daughter films that I watch, I'm just like... Yeah, Paper Moon is... I mean, that's... Paper Moon did it better. That's that's,
0: that's almost unfair to compare <laughs> to Paper Moon, though. That movie's really good. I mean, like,
1: <laughs> like it, it's so hard not to yeah. because a lot of them just, like, the, the way the relationship is portrayed is kind of the same yeah paper moon's definitely
0: like the gold standard of
1: yeah but if if the sort of relationship between the two characters was more distinct i wouldn't make that comparison you know it's not the simple elements of father and daughter it's like you know the like kind of aloof estranged father being kind of just has to take care of this daughter and then figure out and also like like the daughter being his life
0: the daughter's order is also sort of precocious in a way like she can cook meals oh yeah yeah. you know anyways let's moving on from let's just move on from Marie Antoinette into somewhere but I don't should we like recommend movies should we be like (laughs) Marie Antoinette I don't know
1: I think we should I'd rather just talk about what I find interesting okay all right Um, well we'll
0: just move on to somewhere watch yeah so no more we're done with Marie Antoinette. So I know. So going, going back to the first time you watched somewhere, you watched it. I think you watched it in college, right? Like when you're 18, 19.
1: It was a bit after that. Yeah. Okay. But I hated it. Yeah. You hated yeah. it.
0: You like despised yeah. it. And you told me about it, how much yeah. you hated it. And I hadn't seen mm-hmm. it. And, um, mm-hmm. I think that <laughs> you, you made it sound like it was like, really really terrible and i watched it and i was like yeah it's okay like it's fine i enjoy it i thought the ending was bad the first time i watched it yeah. and the second time i watched it, i'm like i still think the ending's bad <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah why'd you hate yeah. it so much the first time you watched it
1: uh i just despised the main character and <laughs> i i despised him in a way that i found him to be uninteresting <laughs> um I think I was just a bit closed off to what it was offering and you know, because of my sort of initial reaction to it, I I was kind of less open to it throughout its runtime. Yeah. Um, I think, like I said before going into it the second time I was a lot more open to it because the character and the themes are carry on from her previous two films really strongly. Um, and you know just this character being kind of sort of lonely and lost even amongst all of this kind of you know social interaction Mm -hmm. um i mean it's it's the same kind of you know predicament that her characters find themselves in and lost in translation and marie antoinette so i think i connected with that a lot easier and I think there is a lot uh, uh, interesting that the film kind of works with in regards to, you know, addiction and, like, you know, uh, sort of the inherent, like, laziness of of being, like, wealthy and well-known, you know, like, this character has basically no aspirations in the film yeah and he doesn't really have to do
0: anything someone just calls him or he calls someone and Mm -hmm. you know the car shows up for him he just has to walk out he just you know he just kind of like floating through everything
1: yeah and i think that kind of you know um what i got most out of the film is and and what i was kind of wanting more was that the film to me kind of it sort of flirts as a story about addiction. Um, but it doesn't really commit to that. It doesn't really like portray the character's sort of behavior as being detrimental enough to his own life for us to really draw that conclusion strongly, I think mm-hmm. But a lot of his behavior and the patterns of his behavior, Are pretty like you know you could make that connection you know like it 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 is habitual it does seem like he has a lack of self-control especially when it comes to like women yeah um a theme that is also very common um in sophia's films yeah um (laughs) you know i kind of feel i i feel kind of bad i feel like she's had some uh negative romantic relations in her life or or at least been around a lot of them because you know her view on monogamous heterosexual relationships (laughs) is very pessimistic to say the least um But I think it's understandable, and you know, I mostly just sympathize with
0: her. Well, what what changed about the movie now the the second watch when you know?
1: I think I was just more willing to empathize with the main character, um, you know, and just view him more as a product of his own self ignorance and environment, you know, and culture, rather than someone who's like individually despicable. In a way, because yeah. I think that's kind of what got me about it the first time. Yeah. But I think it's very easy to see a character like that and, and think of them as despicable, even if they're, you know, relatively harmless. Because, again, it's that context, you know, it's if, if you extrapolate the film, you know, and you think about like the 500,000 or so homeless people living in Los Angeles or whatever, you know it's easy to look at a character like that and be like, well, this guy is just a total douchebag. Right. Like, why should I care about him? Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I think it is worth empathizing with those people. Like you don't have to, you know, yeah. You know, empathy is not a, is not a seal of approval yeah. in any way either. Um, so simply just being able to understand this character and what, you know, he sort of struggles with and what you come to find he wants or, you know, lacks wanting really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's like pretty interesting, I, and it's
0: it's almost like the he he doesn't he like he can't experience pleasure or something like he doesn't.
1: Yeah, no, and he's like, well, and that's that that's that's where the addiction kind of themes come in for me, yeah. because I think that very easily correlates to addiction. Yeah, where you know you're you're really just chasing that high, but you've sort of grown numb to it and then it 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 just becomes a compul like a compulsory action right um and yeah it's she doesn't go far enough with it i think for it to truly work on that level um and i think the relationship between the main character and his daughter it's not really like interesting or memorable enough to stick with me either. Yeah. So, I'm still just kind of wanting something more out of that film.
0: No, I definitely um, feel that. I feel that about a lot of Sofia's films though. Her her films don't have a lot of yep. depth. Um the one no. film that does <laughs> is Lost in Translation at least I think so, and that's why that movie's so addicting.
1: I um I think so as well. And I think that um you know i think part of it is just a happy accident um you know not 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 to not in like a mean way but like you know it was just sort of and just a lot of things kind forces. of came
0: together at the right time at the yeah, right place yeah, and it just totally
1: yeah yeah um no. yeah i think i think sophie is a really talented filmmaker i just think that her you know once again going back to her kind of perspective is. I understand where she's coming from in a lot of her films, but it is sort of limiting. Um, And I think anybody's perspective is limiting. I think it is, you know, as an artist, you need to have more than just your own perspective a lot of the time to be interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially if you're someone who lives with a lot of privilege, um because your films can kind of be sort of alienating in a lot of ways and i think that's kind of how a lot of people feel about her films yeah. um and i think the other thing that is sort of the the sort of biggest perpetual weakness is depth but specifically in regards to character yeah for sure um the reason that i kind of like marie antoinette and why I like Kirsten Dunst in it is because to me, that character is one of the more memorable ones in any of her films.
0: Well, you know, when you put it like that, yeah, I definitely, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah. I, Cause I was really disappointed with like, um, uh, like on the rocks and, um, God, what's the other one I'm thinking of? uh Bling Ring The Bling Ring yeah as well I mean I like both of those I I like both of them but like character wise yeah, they're I, like really yeah. I don't know they're just kind of shallow and there's mm-hmm. not that much there fun to watch yep. um
1: Yeah I, I I mean I think The beguiled has the same problem as well I was actually reading some reviews on IMDb of all places um <laughs> and people were making interesting <laughs> points about how the film had you know a kind of shockingly lack of nuance and depth to the characters yeah. in relation to the source material or even in relation to the 1971 film. Yeah. Um, and another thing that we have to get into when talking about Sofia Coppola is um, the way her films relate to race. Because The Beguiled, interestingly enough, cuts out the uh,
0: well, she cut out a black character. character and a mixed race character, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in that film, one of them was a slave and the other one... Or I think I think Kirsten Dunst's character in that film is supposed to be mixed race. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, you know, she wants to have Kirsten Dunst in it. Uh, so... <laughs> yeah. Too bad.
0: Uh- <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Eventually.
1: Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I think that film as well. Like I, I loved the atmosphere of that film. Like I think she really captured the sort of Southern Gothic horror kind of mood and the sort of Civil War as like a backdrop. Yeah, you know, um, and that see that's a good example of using historical context as more window dressing for this isolated story. Yeah, yeah, because it's not a historically significant event you know yeah it's there's <laughs> You're not, not talking about a primary figure in the french revolution it's just some yeah private school and
0: right. the civil war Virginia. is just going on in the background and the people depicted are just people mm-hmm. they're not yes yeah and it's not like yeah. a significant turning point in the civil war happening like in front of them it's just there
1: yeah they're and i think that you know to her credit that is even just that decision is something that deviates from a lot of traditional american film traditions a lot of what you're taught um of like no your story should be reincorporated into that greater context you know right. like if your main character doesn't end up saving the world in some way then one cares <laughs> which is like the most preposterous <laughs> idea ever but you know like i think i think that's just some sort of like horribly mangled you know like mutated cultural aberration that has to do with like american exceptionalism and all of this other bullcrap where like we have to be the most important at all times <laughs> you know and it's like no no sometimes i just want to watch a movie about like these people at a yeah, place what's going time. on in the background yeah, where are these yeah, people live too over here that's definitely someplace. you know enough to be interesting because yeah. people are interesting yeah for sure um but i think that's you know the ideas of her characters are per- are pretty interesting it's just the execution isn't always there and the kind of uh, yet, like you said the depth is a bit lacking i mean i you know and i hate to say this but i think having seen all of her films Bill Murray, I think, kind of covers up a lot of (laughs) those, like, uh, weaknesses in her filmmaking. For sure.
0: Um, I I 100% agree with that. I don't even think that's, like, (laughs) controversial to say that.
1: No. And I think that Lost in Translation, like, may have ended up being kind of similar to the rest of her films in that way, if not for his performance yeah um and his on-stream chemistry as well with scarlet yeah johansson what
0: a what an unexpected because watching um with on the rocks i didn't get that same feeling oh it, god there no. was something the, with, the, with you know and i like rashida jones she's really good but there was something about yeah, like do bill too. murley and bill murley bill murray murley yeah. scarlett johansson and lost in translation where they just like really said they just worked really well together there was just you know yeah. some sort of magic i don't know what it is but it just worked
1: you know you know what's weird actually is that um i just realized this right now lost in translation is really the only romance that she's made like true romantic film about a romantic relationship yeah. i i think that's her strong suit yeah maybe <laughs> And I don't know, wh- like, why she's kind of shied away from that. Like, what, you know, if she just doesn't find it interesting or whatever. But, um, yeah, because when you see her do a father-daughter relationship, like, in somewhere or in On the Rocks, like, it just doesn't click. Yeah. Um. But that one time she kind of did, you know, the star-crossed lovers thing, it worked, like, extremely well.
0: Yeah. Um definitely. I think um yeah, and even with On the Rocks, like I mean it was still enjoyable just watching the performances, and I think she um she she gets good performances out of her actors, I think, in general. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. I haven't really watched um I can't really think of any of her movies where I'm just like, oh god, the acting's just terrible. Because like even you know, On the Rocks was was a really enjoyable movie when bill murray was around <laughs> and watching him just do bill murray stuff was really fun
1: yeah i i liked uh jenny slate's character too she's really funny <laughs> jenny slate
0: i don't know who jenny slate
1: is. The, she was the the annoying friend at the preschool oh yeah yeah
0: yeah that's right yeah she was yeah she was yeah. super funny too
1: yeah but she's just a funny person yeah yeah yeah
0: but i think <laughs> sophia you know i think she i sort of get the feeling that she kind of like lets actors not you know, not do whatever they want, but I think she gives them a lot of space to do stuff because there's a yeah. lot of stuff that Bill and even like Jenny Slate's character in that film that feels may maybe somewhat improvisational or you know kind of relaxed.
1: No, I mean it. Like Jenny Slate is really just doing her bit.
0: Yeah, of just being annoying.
1: Like she's just doing her bit. Yeah, you know, because she's a stand up comedian and an actress.
0: She's in a but- um Parks and Rec
1: and rec yeah, yeah. She's, and she's in she's in other stuff too yeah. um and a lot of the time she just kind of is playing her bit yeah you know her kind of routine her character um and yeah so i don't even think there you needed any direction i think it's just like oh <laughs> yeah, we want a jenny Slate character thing. in this well let's just get her and then she can do it yeah um you know, it's like putting rodney dangerfield right time, you know? yeah like you know you know what you're gonna get yeah like, you don't have to <laughs> tell him to do anything you know you give him the lines and then he just you know or a lot of times he just fucking comes up with his own shit yeah uh, um
0: can we go back to somewhere for a second real yeah, quick Yeah, yeah because yeah, there, was, there was a few things i wanted to talk about specifically about like bits and pieces that mm-hmm. really like rubbed me the wrong way um and i don't know if you feel the same way about it but I'm interested to know what you think. But for one thing, the um the like whole uh Italy sequence. Um yes. I don't know why it's there. It doesn't feel super necessary in the movie. Maybe um, maybe there is something important, but I I don't know if I felt like this the first time I watched the movie. But I know on this viewing when the mom calls, you know, uh what's this johnny johnny marco yeah yeah, yeah when he calls too. when she calls johnny marco's character and it's like i need you to take you know i'm going to be leaving for a couple weeks i'm not going to be around and um he's like oh you know i have to go to italy in like a few days or something i thought it was like you know like a like an issue like there was going to be conflict because right. it makes it yeah, sound yeah, yeah. like
1: hmm I thought that as well. It's going to be
0: kind of like, you know, I have to take her (laughs) and this is going to be kind of like a, you know, it's kind of what the hell? This wasn't, you know, part of the plan. And then nothing happens. They just go to Italy and they eat gelato and they swim in a pool and they do some award show and they have a good time and then they come back home. I'm like, what? (laughs) Yeah, I
1: I, I mean, it was interesting. There there was there was some good character development in it, but it just felt like. It, it, it definitely doesn't fit, it's not incorporated well into the
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess, into the you know, they didn't have to go to Italy. I just got a little bit, like, thrown off by that
1: moment. Yeah. I, I, you know, I I think it was just kind of a character development montage. You know, it's just developing a relationship, mostly. Yeah. Um, I wasn't too bothered by it, because I thought it was one of the more interesting parts of the film just because of that sort of relationship building. Yeah. But it definitely felt jarring. The, the sort of transition in and out of it is really awkward. Yeah. It, it really does feel kind of just thrown in there. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, also, I think she just likes to have her characters go places. I think so, yeah. That um, just happens a lot. If she's making a modern film, they, like, go places. Except for, like, you know... um more ensemble focused films like the bling ring or virgin suicides yeah um
0: um what about the um can we talk about the ending of somewhere like how do you feel about that because um i really hate it like i really hate <laughs> that. what do you
1: hate about it i i want to know your opinion first because i'm pretty neutral on I, it i just
0: it I just like goes louder. on for too long i don't think I, and when I'm talking yeah. about the ending, I'm talking specifically about the part where he turns his car off, leaves the keys in, gets out, and starts walking down the road. Um, I hate that part so much.
1: Yeah, that that um, is that is kind of yeah. I, I kind of for, I literally think I forgot about that because
0: for <laughs> me, like him, him checking out of the hotel and like leaving that his his. You know his, his story's over. His yeah. story's yeah. over. That's he's he's done. And then it could have been you know him driving for a while, but then I would have been perfectly happy with it just cutting to black, like you know while he's driving away or whatever. Um, yeah. I just it just felt tacked on. I'm like, why is this here? You're just doing if like it, another yeah, it, character it, beat yeah. for no reason.
1: Mm-hmm. It did it did feel a bit amateurish. Uh, actually, yeah. It, which is odd because she doesn't have a lot of those moments in her films where it feels kind of like a hack sort of yeah that amateurish thing
0: <laughs> i just wish it wasn't um, there cuz otherwise i yeah. like the movie i think it's a nice movie i yeah. enjoy it
1: usually when it when it comes to like like you know mise en scene and in scene filmmaking she's pretty solid yeah um i think that's a weird example i think as far as like structural editing and like composition and like overall storytelling stuff she isn't always as good um like yeah the whole trajectory of a lot of her films is kind of awkward i mean bling ring is a good example
0: Um, yeah i think a lot of her films though are you know i think she she's kind of kind of what you said she kind of struggles with like structure and stuff but i think it's because she's not really writing her movies like thinking about structure i think she's just sort of thinking of like you know a scene yeah, um, yeah, yeah yeah and it, it, her movies often times feel like you know a bunch of scenes kind of stuck together which I'm not. that's not a bad thing i mean lost in translation is kind of like that too um
1: yeah but it, it kind of you know it, it 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 works with the story being told yeah
0: it's just uh i think um, because she doesn't you know i don't think she puts a lot of emphasis on structure so um, I think in Lost in Translation, you know, it's, again, that movie just sort of worked out. And, I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. she put more thought into it then because it was, you know, still early on in her career or something. But, yeah, as, like, Bling Ring definitely feels like just a bunch of scenes that are loosely connected together. And uh, yeah, Summer feels I- like that, too. And especially, again, like, that, that little bit tacked on to the end is just... Seems like... It feels like an idea that they just had like on set It's like, let's just film this, and then they filmed it, and like, wow, this is awesome, and that just threw it in.
1: Yeah, there's one there's one thing that I want to kind of bring up with you, sort of in relation to that, and it has to do with like theme versus character. Um mm-hmm. because I get the feeling that a lot of her films recently Um, Pretty much everything after Somewhere, I'd say, are kind of overly focused on what they want the audience to kind of come to a conclusion with. Um, On the Rocks kind of, you know, and and The Beguiled had, I think, more sort of were intentionally ambiguous in that way um the bling ring i really i kind of dislike the film for how blunt it is (laughs) not in its like portrayal or like atmosphere but it it just kind of seems obvious to me like i didn't really get anything about watching that film like i didn't feel like i learned anything (laughs) you know (laughs) Like, it's it's sort of a culture and like a cultural sticking point that has been talked about a lot. And then, you know, she just kind of goes into it. But you never really see like, and this is why I bring up in relation to character, because, you know, I, I felt like a lot of her earlier films had a lot more emotion and a lot more like, you know, like, I really felt something more watching her first three films. Oh, yeah. Than I did anything after somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I think it, you know, it, it ends up illuminating the themes and adding more to them. Because if you can really understand why a character is doing something, um, you know even if they're despicable (laughs) um you at least understand
0: them yeah it it
1: leads you to to more like interesting and and i think valuable conclusions and i think that you know like i just never really knew what any of the characters were feeling outside of like you know some very surface level things like i never knew their deep kind of rooted motivations yeah. or or desire for anything but i do get that feeling out of lost in translation and marie antoinette to some degree and definitely in the virgin suicide yeah um which i think is actually a really great film um
0: i i really love and, like um the virgin suicides i think it's really enjoyable movie. yeah
1: i i think and i think it's a really like You know, I think she did a good job with... I- I'm not familiar with the source material, but um, its themes are very disconnected from the rest of her films. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would hypothesize that a-, a lot of the sort of theme and character is really lifted kind of directly out of the source material. But that doesn't mean that, you know, she didn't make a great film out of it because I think she did. Yeah. Um. And, you know, it kind of hits you and it has all these really interesting character quirks in it as well. Like the scene where the, the character who has a relationship with Kirsten Dunst, mm-hmm. you know, he takes her to prom and then, um, you know, they have sex in that field. Yeah. And he just like walks home. Yeah. And they ask him why. And he's like, I don't know. Yeah. Like he doesn't have an answer. Yeah. Um, but he's also talking about how much he loved her and how, like, he'll never love anybody like that again. Mm-hmm. And those are those little, like, character nuggets that really add to the theme of the film because, you know, it, it makes you question about the relationship between, you know, young men and how they view women and sex and sexuality and stuff like that. And what, you know, is kind of emphasized and valued in the culture. hmm and then that adds into the themes about, you know, womanhood and virginity and, you know, all of these puritanical values that kind of are the sort of amalgamation of cultural pressures that, you know, lead to the suicides. Yeah. So all the themes and the characters really just tie in so nicely and create this kind of, you know, web of Americana in that time period that, you know uh creates it and i actually watched that film with my mom funnily enough and um i asked her at the end of the film i was like so who do you think killed the i forget what the family name is in that film but you know who killed the sisters right um and she was like the mom i don't know and i was (laughs) like well kind of you know because the way i view it is like the culture yeah killed them yeah you know like and i mean that's just my perspective on suicide in general yeah um but i think most of the time it it is kind of a failure of a, a culture or a society to properly integrate people yeah um and you know they were sort of thrown into this hostile culture and the people who are supposed to guide and protect them are just making it worse which is their parents yeah um i like the themes that i take out of her later films are just a lot more messy and a lot i don't know coherent. like
0: with the bling ring for example i mean i think it's kind of like entertaining in a sense yeah it's, it isn't entertaining. Like, it's kind film. of fun yeah. to watch um but after i'm done watching it like I, it's not a movie i really think about no um not at all. it's not yeah. a movie i get anything i don't if you asked me to describe like one of the characters, like the main, the, the guy, um, I can't remember any other names. I don't know any (laughs) other names. I don't really know anything about their personalities besides they're, you know, obsessed with celebrities. Um, yes, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to get out of that movie, I guess. Like it's kind of fun, Mm -hmm. but there's nothing. It's just like a very, compared to you know like virgin suicides or lost in translation it's just like a there's a really big contrast and you know how i feel about the movies bling Ring's just kind of like something that's just whatever can watch and um
1: yeah there's that lack of depth there yeah i mean like you know because i read a um i think i was reading about like the sort of racial criticisms on the beguiled and sophia coppola in general and lost in translation Mm -hmm. um which for the record i think is the weakest of her films to criticize racially uh lost like yeah, yeah i mean you can give your perspective on like a japanese american person and its portrayal of japanese culture like it is very blatantly cultural tourism yeah but i think that's kind of like baked into the theme of the movie in a way that i think is
0: I think well, I think part of the it reason why makes sense. I mean for me, like, like with Lost know. in Translation why I'm not terribly bothered by the the um you know the depictions of like uh uh you know Japan and Japanese culture. I think the only thing that like the first time I watched it that I was sort of bothered by is like Bill Murray says, like, what kind of restaurant makes you cook your own food? I'm like, that's <laughs> you know, you can <laughs> Those are fun. <laughs> yeah. Cooking your own food at restaurants yeah, yeah, are yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, not yeah. not not really anything else. It's just kind of like a tiny thing like that. It's but part of the reason why that that film, I guess I'm less bothered by it is because I've been so, uh, I'm so used to watching like you know American movies like uh, that depict Japan, but like really they're just like it's just in general Asia and like. People put their hands together and they like, you know, I don't know, say like <laughs> low standards. Thank yeah. you, sensei. And they, you know, they use like a gong in the background. <laughs> I'm like, I've literally never heard that, you know, and I guess my standards are just really low because American films, when yeah. it comes to depicting Asia in general, like because it's just, you know, to American movies, like Asia is just like this big blob over there. It's just a kind of all mixed <laughs> together. So when I watch Lost Translation, it, it seems like, you know, she's definitely poking fun at Japanese culture and like, you know, Japanese people in that sort of way. But she's doing it in a way oh, that yeah, only yeah. someone who has obviously spent time in Japan and has seen these mm-hmm. things with their own eyes could do. So,
1: yeah, um, mm-hmm. it's
0: like she's making jokes, but these are like good jokes. It's like this isn't like, you know, the the usual thing that I have to hear all the time.
1: Right, yeah, and so I think that, like, you know, and, and for me, after, like, that was the first time I'd seen the film since going to Tokyo. Oh, yeah. And it made me nostalgic for the city, yeah. like, seriously, and I loved Tokyo, I loved being there, I loved the atmosphere. Well, and I
0: think she does, too.
1: I'm like... Yeah, you can get that, it is a love story to a place as much as it is to the characters. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I mean, the film is just, it's romantic. Through and through, and in, in all of its sort of ways, and I mean, when the fucking My Bloody Valentine comes in, I mean, it's just it gives me chills. Yeah, every it's time. so good. <laughs> it's such a beautiful like blend of you know. And when he's in the car and looking at all the, the advertisements out the window, I mean, like yeah, that's just Tokyo. Did you ever
0: get like, to see like the Tommy Lee Jones stuff when we were in Japan? Yes, yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> Isn't it yeah. like so much funnier? It's so funny. when you're just like, what's wait? the
1: coffee? What's the coffee?
0: Uh, boss coffee
1: boss coffee, yeah, boss on coffee.
0: Tommy Lee Jones is just yeah. like in all the commercials mm-hmm. that's every time I watch that movie and I'm watching Bill Murray I'm just like he's just playing Tommy mm-hmm. Lee Jones because that's what Tommy Lee Jones is in Japan it's, yeah. he's like really famous in Japan for like showing up in commercials yeah, and billboards there's, a, there's
1: another thing that I read about like um, a critic was upset about like the depiction of Japanese people messing up L's and R's
2: mm-hmm.
1: I was just kind of confused because it was like but like that, that's just the that's thing. just the thing. Yeah, it's just the thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess you could see it as like kind of mocking or racist in the way that it's portrayed in the film. Yeah, you know, I think. It, but
0: I would be bothered by that. Let's say if it was a movie that took place in America and it was just a Japanese American person, and by default they had a thick Japanese accent, I'd be like, oh, there's Japanese American yeah, people. You yeah, could just yeah, put yeah. them in instead." Yeah, um, but they're literally in Japan, like. I don't. I don't know what to tell mm-hmm. you. Like people can speak English there, but they don't yeah, speak it like, perfectly. Obviously,
1: and the characters not being able to communicate and feeling out of place, it it works. Yeah, you know, like I like I called it a piece of cultural tourism because it's, it is. Yeah, I mean, and I, I don't think that's necessarily degrading to say towards the film. Yeah, um, it it is a piece of white cultural tourism, which has a lot of bad history yeah. and bad connotation for sure. But um like the theme of not being able to communicate to people and feeling lost in translate I mean it's in the fucking title. Yeah like it, it works on that kind of literal and sort of character level as well in how the characters even in relation to their English speaking partners the their, their you know their spouses um, are having a similar issue right where you can clearly see that they're both failing to feel heard and understood mm-hmm. by the person they're married to um so I mean I think that kind of like it it, it really just works so well that it like you know it the film, isn't just incidentally set in japan right you know yeah like there's a very clear reason for this story and these characters no and again the character
0: of bill murray is like very realistic because again you know tommy lee jones like it's not like she just came up Mm -hmm. with that out of nowhere Nope. like she's telling a story about you know a real thing and it's not just japan but a lot of times you know washed up actors and sometimes they find work again you know doing like commercials and stuff in other countries and That sort of stuff so it's a Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of a story about again people who are wealthy and very privileged
1: but it's not dishonest um yeah and you know uh when it comes to racial perspectives though her other films definitely are a bit lacking (laughs) i think
0: yeah i mean i know i know with I mean, the Beguiled is a pretty, that's the first one that comes to mind. That one's a little bit, I mean, I know what her reasoning is. I'm not.
1: (sighs) I get it. Yeah. But I don't agree with that. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way. She was like, oh, I just kind
0: of switched it because I didn't want to like gloss over something, you know,
1: that important. I'm like, yeah, "Eh,
0: yeah, I get it. But uh, I don't know.
1: (laughs) It's not a good, it's not a good solution. It's definitely, yeah.
0: Um, even even if it was a good solution, it's definitely not I, a good look. Like you know, and the, and, and the thing
1: is, and you know, I think this is kind of the, the reason that people are upset with Marie Antoinette and maybe why I don't care as much because I don't have a personal connection to the French Revolution. It doesn't really mean anything for me culturally or symbolically, whereas it might for the people in France, even though we view it as being a long time ago. Yes. But... um When it comes to slavery in the American Civil War, I mean that's uh, basically just as relevant today as it was <clears> after it ended. Yeah. I mean, that conflict and that kind of cultural and racial struggle has been, you know, five hundred years worth of history. Yeah, I mean it's a um, it's
0: pretty it's definitely a part of American history and culture. Yeah. And it's
1: so if you're if you're gonna set something in the Civil War era in the South, yeah, based yeah. on source material where there's a slave character, <laughs> if you're not willing to deal with those themes, I mean, maybe just don't make that film. Yeah,
0: I, um, I definitely feel that.
1: <laughs> and I think the thing that frustrates me about that film even more is that I love its atmosphere, and I love its use you of can, sound like, feel design the humidity. and music. Yeah, the and... It feels thick. i love the sort of i love the setup in the beginning of the film and the characters yeah they just we just don't learn enough about them and this is what a lot of the criticism that i was reading on imdb and i was kind of like shocked to find like agreeable criticisms on that <laughs> website
0: what do you, do you know? mean imdb is only that's <laughs> yeah,
1: the premier premier place for film only criticism the only
0: the highest class film criticism yeah
1: yeah.
0: Um, yeah, the beguiled and IMDb reviews.
1: Yeah. Okay. So the yeah, yeah that like that sort of lack of depth and lack of relating to the characters' motivations. It really takes away from the themes. Um, and you know, because I thought it was really cool, and I really liked how you know, and I knew the film wasn't super well received, and I started watching it. And I was like, oh, I think I know why people don't like this film. It's because it has like a very female perspective on sexuality because the man is being sexualized. He's the sexualized object in this sense. But it kind of just reverses course halfway through the film and the women become the sexualized objects (laughs) in the eye of the man. Like it's very weird to see a female director do that and then revert back to, you know, the male gaze almost as if it's like you know, like speaking a foreign language and then going back into your native tongue. <laughs> um, and I think that says a lot about film tradition, you know. Yeah. Like you can't criticize female directors for having a lot of male gazy kind of stuff in their films because film is a tradition and that's kind of steeped into the tradition of film. Yeah. Um and, you know sophia coppola by no means is a radical feminist filmmaker yes Um,
0: and also she grew up uh, around her father
1: exactly exactly. (laughs) um and i think it's also safe to say and this is this is a huge sticking point for me with on the rocks um is that she definitely has some like her films read as somewhat socially conservative in a weird way Mm. like they're definitely very antiquated kind of cliches about sexuality and relationships that I think permeate a lot of her films. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, just the idea of male, you know, promiscuity and faithfulness and, you know, monogamy and all the kind of stuff that, you know, Bill Murray is rambling on about in, on the rocks. Yes. Yes. I kind of get the feeling in that film that like, you know, you're not supposed to agree with him, mm-hmm. but like, you're also not necessarily supposed to disagree with him. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Is that just Bill being charming, though? I don't think so. Okay. I think I mean, when he's talking about like the woman being down on her haunches and like <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> all of this. Like yeah, like he's really <laughs> psychoanalyzing you know, the male sexual desire and all this kind of stuff. It's very like evolutionary psychology, yeah, you know, sort of Freudian mythology, which is, to be blunt, pretty bunk in a lot of ways. Well, I mean, um, no one really. I mean, it's a very dubious in science academia.
0: No one really uses it anymore, right? I don't know. No, no, it, because
1: it, it is dubious science, and it isn't, you know, and like the the those stories that we tell ourselves they're just cultural myths mm-hmm. you know like the as far as i'm aware the sort of you know the sexual roles of humans and the way that they socialize is, is not like genetic you know in a like a hardwired sense like he says in the film mm-hmm. um and it's really weird that she kind of includes all of that from bill's perspective and it's the kind of driving force of the film um you know this perspective on male sexuality and then it's like proven wrong at the end right yeah so that's kind of like the oh okay not all men are like that or whatever you're supposed to get from that but it feels really weak doesn't (laughs) it doesn't it feel so weak <laughs> like it's it's yeah, not whatever like you're supposed resounding... to get from that
0: basically sums up how i felt yeah. about the ending i'm like what am i supposed to be getting from
1: exactly <laughs> it's like she builds up all of this anxiety and and then and nothing fear. It's just... and then it's just like oh well maybe that's not true yeah it's not a very resounding <laughs> rebuttal from it um and i get the kind of i get the sense for viewing a lot of her films is that you know maybe that's just kind of how she feels like maybe she just doesn't know yeah maybe she's anxious about all these things like can men ever be happy I mean Rashida Jones is literally like saying this verbatim in dialogue in that film like yeah can men ever be happy can men ever be misog- uh, um, not misogynist <laughs> they can certainly be misogynist that's for sure
0: um, <laughs> I don't know Kev I don't know if it's possible <laughs> yeah
1: yeah um the anti-feminist youtubers were right yeah, yeah. the feminism is is all bunk men, men are men, never misogynist there's no yeah. such thing
0: as misogynistic um, men. it's not a real thing
1: yeah it's not real um <laughs> <laughs> no can men ever be misogamous monogamous um <laughs> and all this kind of shit like
0: yeah sorry.
1: But yeah, it doesn't. It feel like <laughs> her kind of perspective is bleeding through the film. There, like she doesn't really know. She's not really sure. Yeah, no, I've like the, ed- the ending almost feels just like wishful thinking. Yeah, <laughs> you know it, and it, it's so happy too. It's like it's like you saccharine. Know. It's like why? Why is yeah? It's, what like, I I I you know I almost thought it was going to be like a parasite moment. You know where it's oh. like oh this is just her vision of the future yeah <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> I, like oh this is just the character's hallucination yeah, or like just, dream. this is how
0: she wants you it you know to it's be. not
1: real yeah it's like no they just go back and they're happy and stuff um you know it, it almost felt like you know somebody lying to themselves in that way that's that's what it felt <laughs> like. um not that i think that the anxieties of that film are correct. Not that I think that anything Bill Murray says is anything more than cultural mythologizing, <laughs> and, Um, you know, just taking the burden off of men to behave themselves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, or, you know, engage in sexuality in like an honest and healthy way. Right. Yep. Um, and yeah like so in that sense i think a lot of her perspectives on gender and sexuality are very insecure you know and once again like you said before it it feels honest
0: yeah i don't think she's ever Um, done anything where she wasn't you know showing her own perspective um
1: but i think because her perspective is very limited in a lot of these ways it it does take away from her films unfortunately Um. And, you know, it it leads to scenarios where, like, in Marie Antoinette, the theme theme kind of doesn't come together at the end. Yeah. And I I think it shows up, and I think that's why we both think that the the endings to her films are pretty weak, is because the theme and the conclusions a lot of the characters don't really wrap up all that nicely or come to any sort of, like, you know, interesting conclusion. Yeah. Not that it needs to be conclusive, but we're not left with a, a very, like, kind of distinct vision or theme, I think, yeah. a lot of the time. Um, Virgin Suicides and Lost in Translation do that very nicely. Yeah, and I
0: know with Virgin um,
1: Suicides,
0: like, um, she was she was really passionate about the book. Um, mm-hmm. And she talks yep. about how, like, the book was actually what got her into filmmaking, because apparently, you know, she was... Um, she had the book and she was just adapting it for fun i think like into a screenplay like her Mm -hmm. dad encouraged her to like you know just just try adapting the book yourself or whatever and then she got she was really disappointed because she found out that like some sort of studio was like already trying to produce it but like the script fell through so she's like wait i have a script and they they took her script because apparently it was good well, I think there was just a lot more like passion and love for the for the material and respect for the material, um, and obviously it was based on a book and then you know her other stuff. <clears throat> um, yeah, and I haven't been based on things as structured, maybe. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of things are getting I don't know looser and less connected, I guess.
1: Yeah, and I well, but I think that it works in Lost in Translation because. You know, the characters and the the theme is very solid. Yeah, it's... You know, the film knows what it's about. And it has a distinct and confident... I think that's the big thing. It has a confident perspective. Yeah. On, you know, how the story should be seen. And it's not, like, overbearing to the point where you can't derive your own meaning from it. But you feel that kind of confidence in its direction. Um that is something that I kind of always want to see from a film. Yeah.
0: Um, it's it's good to know when, uh, you know, you watch a movie and you feel like you're in good hands.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, you, you can't feel like that if you feel like the director isn't confident about the subject material. Yeah, definitely. With, with.
0: <clears throat> I mean, like, I sort of feel that with. um. with some of her films after somewhere like um you know uh, bling ring or beguiled or something like that but i definitely like i don't know on the rocks was like very much like that
1: um yeah i i think it's i think it's her weakest film to date uh i don't know if it's my least favorite but it's definitely the one that i think is the weakest yeah it just didn't really I think work out the characters are the weakest yeah. i think the themes are the weakest um the whole sequence in mexico felt like out of a really shitty rom-com yeah like didn't it i don't know that was was that just i don't know
0: i've sort of no i've i it kind of felt like an even worse version of the ital the italy the italy the italy sequence out of somewhere it's just like you know they go somewhere and then Mm -hmm. yep they're just kind of like okay they're here and they're bill murray sings a song because he's very charismatic and he can make friends anywhere that, that's funny. what i mean
1: yeah if if it, it felt like a rom-com yeah. scene it's just like okay like a shitty american rom-com like a uh i don't know what's what's the actor's name from wedding crashers
0: i don't know uh i don't i don't know that uh, movie. <laughs> i don't think i've seen it
1: oh uh fuck what is his name we have
0: technology like,
1: we have technology. We have yes. technology.
0: We can look this up. Um, Wedding Crashers has Owen Wilson, Vince
1: Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. That's what I'm thinking of.
2: <laughs> Vince Vaughn.
1: Yeah, like that. That scene felt like something out of a Vince Vaughn film. Yeah. You know, like, like they go to the the tiki bar at some resort. You know, yeah, like, and they're just one of them is like singing and flirting with the women yeah. or whatever, and you know, it's like they're rolling their eyes at each other. Yeah, I don't
0: you know, know. You got a I Jimmy know.
1: Buffett song playing in the scene transition.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just I mean, I enjoyed watching that movie because I enjoy watching Bill Murray, you know? I mean
1: Yeah, and I enjoy watching I think all of I, I think all of her films are enjoyable, certainly. Yeah. Like just from a base level of like entertainment and competence as a filmmaker, yeah. All of her films kind of like meet some standard. Th- there are just some that I think are pretty uninteresting, like the Bling Ring, yeah. And then some where the characters just really don't make it like I think she's I, got a good
0: sense of humor. I like her sense of humor. She, yeah, she no, I'm not. She some funny moments her in her movies. I mean, funny. the Bling Ring is definitely like one of the funnier ones. He just has like all these like really goofy moments in them.
1: <laughs> I think Emma Watson is just amazing. Yeah, she's in
0: unbelievable movie. in that movie. I think she, I honestly she think part really of the success of that it. part of the
1: success of that
0: movie is because she's just so damn good.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's almost like a mean girls esque <laughs> caricature. Uh you know, that I mean is it's just as funny as it is like bitingly realistic. Yeah um yeah i I think that that like you know i'm glad that she has the privilege to work with really good actors because some of her films would just work even less
0: yeah i think so i mean it just goes to show how important (laughs) actors are
1: (laughs) oh my god yeah no like especially to a film like lost in translation yeah that film without Bill Murray kind of just isn't anything. I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, it. I I hope that she's able to in the future come together with a more cohesive and really like, you know, engaging film that has characters with more depth. Yeah, because I mean, lately more it's developed.
0: Yeah, the her past couple films have just been exactly what you've been saying about, you know, it's just the, not it, it, well, there's not, re- she doesn't really have any characters in her movies, really, or at
1: least not strong characters. One, give me one second. I need to take a quick intermission. Okay. So play the intermission music. Okay. Okay. Sorry about that. My cat was meowing at me to be let out of the prison oh, that's that is great. my room. Was it Alf? No, it was Nella. That was Nella. Yeah, it was the small orange one. Nella's great.
0: Um Yeah, okay. Well, Sophia. I don't know what else. I I feel like we're we're sort of uh running yeah, out of we, things to say about her.
1: We kind of touched bases on on all of her films. I think, you know, we can maybe just go into a little bit more detail of stuff that you know maybe we found of particular interest um like one thing that did stand out to me a lot um in a lot of her films is i do think that she has a very strong handle on atmosphere oh for Um, sure yeah and i i almost wish as much as i want her to make you know films with better characters i almost wish she would take that to even a further conclusion you know just like, like lean really
0: hard into it just yeah
1: I, I think she could have done that with somewhere yeah i think um, yeah for sure i mean you know the shot of him uh with the plaster on his face yeah that's great like that is such a great yeah. shot and obviously Although i think the, that the was um, shot,
0: i think that was the cinematographer's idea
1: yeah um that well. was
0: uh, harris Savides. he died after that movie
1: Oh really? Yeah, he That's was a really great
0: cinematographer. um He yeah, he he got like brain cancer and died at like fifty five or something like that. Like not long after that movie came out. And he did stuff like I think he did Zodiac, the Fincher film. Oh, and he did I don't know he he was he was like a really he was a fantastic cinematographer and did a lot of great movies. But yeah, he he yeah, did, I mean, he did that zoom that, shot. film shot
1: very well. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a, there's another shot that has like a really subtle zoom in it that I that I found very nice. Yeah, I think it was in the Beguiled. I can't remember what part it was in. Um.
0: But yeah, she has a really distinct style. The way she shoots stuff, it's like this very you know sort of cool and yeah observant. It's it's you know mm-hmm. she's kind of like on the wall sort of thing <clears throat> in some yeah, ways it yeah, almost yeah, feels yeah. documentary
1: yeah 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 yeah. I, I definitely get that feeling a lot of the time i mean i think the like you know the the handheld cinematography and the karaoke scene and lost in translation stands out a lot yeah you know and then like yeah like the you get you get this the shot in the hallway when she's kind of like sitting out in the hallway yeah um there's just such a great feeling to that
0: yeah i know in lost in translation there's definitely some actual documentary stuff um Mm. you you remember the um uh you remember rodrigo right
1: yes i did yeah
0: his boss his 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 boss um Shows up in that movie. He worked at like an art gallery and his boss is in Lost in Translation. And he was just like there <laughs> okay. while they were shooting. And Yeah, he, that's he just really shows funny. Up in it. So I oh. think that was one of those moments where Sophia is just sort of like taking, you know, what's around. Like, I, I, again, I think she's a very like observant sort of person. And I think she just saw an opportunity to like have Bill talk to this interesting guy and just filmed it because they were there.
1: Yeah, for reference, Rodrigo is our our film. Oh friend yeah. from Switzerland. <laughs> I forgot. This is a podcast.
0: Um, people don't know. who
1: This I, is a podcast. I can't um, just
0: name drop people. <laughs> yeah. I
1: oh yeah, you're so cool. They, they, yeah, they Rodrigo, don't know Rodrigo, a friend from school yeah, who in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> who, who doesn't know who Rodrigo <laughs> is, right? Um. Yeah, but uh, I'm trying to think of other things. I mean, the fades in virgin suicides are kind of interesting oh Um, i kind of wanted to shades of
0: i i did want to mention some things about the virgin suicides that i really like because there's there's bits and there's like bits of that movie you know there's like the fades and there's some like stylistic stuff and there's like these all these like sort of almost like amateurish quirks about the movie that are kind of charming that Mm,
1: like what uh
0: like um you know there's that like a bit Let's see. There's like a part earlier on where uh, Christian Dunst like character, you know, like fades in and winks and there's like a sparkle added and it makes like a Oh ding yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, it's, yeah. Not like, it's not like poorly done. It's just something that no, seems no, like yeah. the kind of ideas that would only come from someone who's like young and mm-hmm. just kind of like having fun with it. And there's like the other there, there's another one where um, right before they go on the prom date, it does like this Thing where you can see through um, Kirsten Dunst's dress, and it shows that she had written the name of the The guy. Yep, I like that. Yeah, and uh, again, that's like another one of those things where it's sort of, I say amateurish, like as a compliment. Not, I don't think it's bad. It's just kind Mm -hmm. of like charming, and something I think only you know, someone who's still like young and a bit inexperienced would think of doing something like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, not to harp on it again, but I have to. It's like, where are those character details for Rashida Jones? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, like her, like the performances she gets out of her actresses are, are really, really strong, and you know, it, it, it leans into the consistent themes that she has about femininity and the feminine experience. You know. Mm. Um. But you got to you gotta support your actors as much as they need to support the film. I mean, you know? do, do you think she just um,
0: doesn't care as much?
1: I don't think so. I don't get that feeling at all. I think that On the Rocks is a film that like, because, it, you know, her films still seem to aspire for a lot, you know, like it's why I made this distinction between character and theme. Like, I think it's that sort of trap of, you know, being too focused on what you want people to take away from your film. Yeah um and not focusing on making a really like rich story with rich characters that people can take something away from you know because there's a lot of like philosophizing that happens with the characters and on the rocks and the sort of narrative trajectory is set up in this way where like you build up this expectation or this understanding of you know relationships and sexuality and then the film subverts that yeah but it feels really like kind of dishonest and it doesn't really work on a storytelling level or you know the the pacing is weird and it you're not really left with any sort of feeling after it anyways because it doesn't it doesn't offer anything else but this one perspective and then it was like oh maybe it's not
0: yeah and i think you know with lost true with with lost in translation and somewhere and stuff those themes sort of feel like they bubble up organically like out of the character Mm -hmm. it's not really explicitly you know Lost in Translation doesn't explicitly talk about ennui and loneliness, and it just kind of, mm-hmm. you, you know, the characters you, it, you just see it happening. Uh,
1: yeah, like you have Scarlett Johansson listening to the fucking, you know, uh, audio. Yeah, the self-help thing book about yeah meditation or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you don't see any of the characters in I mean, like. Do you remember, man? It, on the rocks, doing And that.
0: on the rocks, it's like, but it felt like she was trying to do it, kind of. But it's like really flat. Like you remember the scenes, like Bill Murray's character, he would like leave, and then it would kind of linger on him, like riding in the car, looking out the window, like a very like Sophia kind of shot. And then mm-hmm. there was also another one where Rashida Jones's character just kind of—it looks like she's just like walking around in like Soho or something. She's just like walking but there's not yeah it, 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 there's just like nothing else it just it feels like a watered down version of what she used to do
1: and i don't i th- that's a really good point and i think we can kind of get really into the theory and like deep into kind of filmmaking theory here um and you know i i think it's i think it's appropriate that we we grace our first episode by invoking Essentially, Ozu. We have to, right? Um, so, what did Ozu teach us, kind of through his films? Um, and if you have a character just kind of looking out sadly, um, it can be one of the most powerful things yeah. in cinema, right? But you need to at least have an idea of what the character could be feeling. Or could be thinking about. Yeah, well, you know? I think you have
0: to give the, you know, with with film you have to give the image meaning it yes. with, with other images by juxtaposing yes. images, right? That's what film yeah. is.
1: Yeah, so. and or and and building up a narrative as well. I mean, you know, the the scene in um late spring with the vase, right? Where um you know you have the shot of a woman looking happy and then cut to a vase and then a woman looking sad yeah you know this kind of weird jarring but like emotionally gigantic moment in the film it works because of the whole film proceeding up to it yeah because you understand this character and her conflict and you know the whole uh totality of it. Yeah. Um and, you know, at the end with the with the father peeling the apple as well. Right. Um those images only have that emotional impact because we're able to connect with the character mm-hmm. and able to feel what they're feeling and then these mundane things take on this kind of deep deep sadness. Yeah. Um so it's just—it's not enough to just have a character look out a window and be sad. And you know, you have that in the beginning of uh, Lost in Translation a little bit, like you have the characters just kind of looking out at, at the skyline or Bill Murray in the car in the beginning. Although I—I I will say not,
0: with Bill Murray in the beginning, supposed- he—you he, know—he sees—he um, sees like a billboard of himself, and I think even that right. is just yeah, already yeah, adding yeah. more.
1: Mhm. Yeah, so it's it's already starting to build up there. Yeah. Um but it's certainly not as impactful as him sitting in the car at the end before he sees her in the street. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um and it's not supposed to be in the beginning either, you know. Like it's just supposed to give you the sense that these characters might be lonely. Yeah. Um but yeah, that emotional impact isn't gonna be there if you haven't developed your characters as well. And that's just something that unfortunately on the rocks didn't do for me. Yeah. I didn't really get a strong sense of these characters. Well, or because how they were you know what the, they wanted. The
0: scenes of them like looking out the window or walking through Soho or whatever aren't juxtaposed with any sort of image or anything that's really yeah. supposed to make me feel anything. They just kind of exist there. And um Yep.
1: Yeah. And I, I hope she's she's able to, you know, reestablish that attention to detail and that sort of depth of character that some of her earlier films had mm-hmm. because it was a very strong aspect of her filmmaking. And, um, I mean, even I I think I think most really great, you know, sort of. films that at least i enjoy can kind of tend to have this sort of obsessive quality towards their characters yeah you know like it feels like the film itself is is obsessively interested in its own characters mm-hmm. like i mean take any paul thomas Anderson yeah that's
0: role. exactly i mean when he said obsessed with character yeah. i just immediately think yeah. of pta
1: yeah um <clears throat> And I I think that's a quality that she kind of was sort of itching at in a lot of her early films. Mm -hmm. I mean, even Marie Antoinette, to a large extent, I think, is kind of in love with its own character, which is why some people don't like it. Um, (laughs) But but it does make a more interesting and, I think, fulfilling film, even though if I was kind of disappointed or turned off by the ending... I, I it it leads me to think about it more. Yeah. Then like you said the bling ring. I just didn't even think about it after I watched it. I was like, oh, it's really, pretty good. I don't but think
0: about that movie.
1: Yeah. It was kind of it. Um On the Rocks I've thought about a lot. But mostly for the things that frustrated me about it. Yeah. I was um and You know, I I kind of, unfortunately, I had low expectations going into it. Um, And I felt the same way, actually, about uh, the new Borat film as well, where when you see a director or an artist return to something Mm -hmm. from their past, because On the Rocks is, I mean, it's impossible not to draw conclusions between that and Lost in Translation. Even though they end up being very different films, they have kind of similar themes about infidelity and you know marital issues and they have bill murray in them yeah okay um playing a really rich charismatic guy who goes to all these fancy places or whatever yes um basically everything else about the films is entirely different like it's only those surface level elements but you know when you see a filmmaker returning to something from their past like that like 20 years after or whatever. I just I never have high hopes. And Borat, I think, actually, Borat 2 actually was pretty good. I enjoyed it. For what it was. I, I enjoyed it a lot, too. And um, I thought it was, you know... It wasn't trying to be Borat 1. Nope. Because uh, it didn't need to be. But it was really good. And to her credit, I'll give her a lot of credit for this, On the Rocks was not trying to be lost in translation. Yeah. It was trying to be something completely different. Mm-hmm. It didn't fail because it was supposed to be lost in translation part two or like redo um i think it just failed because it wasn't a it wasn't a terribly interesting film with interesting characters um which which sucks because i wanted to like it but yeah it, i didn't have a high hopes for that one and it, it kind of let me down and i had less high hopes for the big isle because of its reputation mm,
0: i think i'm just i'm just uh, naive. I get really excited when I see a director like I'm like oh I don't care I want to watch it I want to watch it it's gonna be awesome and then I watch I'm like oh (laughs) oh no it wasn't good
1: yeah it just it kind of just had all of the signs of like something that wasn't gonna be the best thing I've seen this year um and it wasn't unfortunately but again there there is a standard that she always kind of lives up to that I think is admirable yeah um you know it, it does seem like she cares a lot about all her films and they're all well made and well acted to a very large extent yeah and
0: um, i like watching the. i think uh just to how she shoots stuff is interesting too like her decisions on like how to frame mm-hmm. something and that sort of stuff is always interesting
1: yeah yeah there's definitely a lot of you know and of um, course
0: her music is always cool I think she has a lot of good cool yes, music although definitely. i don't really like the soundtrack for the beguiled that much it felt like it's like this modern sort of like ambient thing i'm like mm, i don't i could have almost just done without a soundtrack at all in that movie maybe yeah
1: i didn't i i i don't think it had that much of an impact for me i think i kind of liked it in parts yeah. but i more so liked the i wish there was actually more incorporation of the war war sounds and like the canon yeah
0: that would have been cool
1: i thought that was pretty interesting mm-hmm. when when that did occur in the film it, it it you know really added to the sort of anxiety and juxtaposition of these characters you know having to deal with this internal conflict but you know with this sort of feeling of the war closing in on them I thought I wish that anxiety was emphasized more mm-hmm. and I wish the characters were better developed and I wish you didn't cut out the you know sort of racial aspect of it <laughs> yeah because um,
2: yeah. yeah because
1: i I think that that could have ended up being my favorite film of hers um actually because there are a lot of things that I personally I just liked about it yeah um and I thought it was really an interesting film up to a point yeah um and then it just kind of lost me a bit um but it's a really well made film i think uh it's just yeah it, did, it didn't it didn't quite click for me yeah that's quite.
0: like and again i mean i guess we've been saying this a few times now is that like after somewhere i think a lot of her films yeah. kind of just feel like that um yeah and yeah. on the rocks was to for me the worst one so far yeah it just doesn't I, I just
1: think it's yeah it and it's sort of perspective on you know, sexuality and like male sexual psychology and all that kind of stuff was just kind of eye rolling for me. at parts. Yeah,
0: it's not super and interesting. Was, it's just kind of. I was.
1: Yeah, I was glad that at least the film kind of refuted that at the end. And I, I had the feeling that you weren't supposed to take Bill Murray's opinion, you know, for granted um, as a viewer. But this sort of like narrative refutation was like so weak that it <laughs> didn't feel like anything yeah almost it was like oh i guess he was wrong okay. i'm gonna
0: take off my dad's watch and put on this watch i got from my <laughs> husband
1: yeah and, and that could be powerful okay. if there was a more you know if he, if there was a more like sort of dramatic and intimate relationship that was established between her and her father and her and her husband yeah it's just those relationships aren't really that well developed in the film yeah so then that moment feels just kind of cheap, you know?
0: Yeah, um, well, she's a bad filmmaker.
1: Yeah, hack filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Overall, I rate Sofia Coppola a 2 out of 10. Try again. She got lucky. Um, yeah. One hit <laughs> no.
0: wonder. The rest of her movies suck. Yeah. Uh, one sexy.
1: thing I will not do is give numerical... F- scores to films because i am a pretentious douchebag who thinks it's pointless (laughs) i don't like it i i really just i don't think it's helpful i don't think it's interesting um and yeah i mean even one of my favorite film critics roger ebert did it and i think it's stupid that he did it too (laughs) i think it's stupid that everybody does it (laughs) yeah it's you know that's i mean that's my uh that's my bone to pick with film criticism yeah
0: i don't really like that i mean for me personally i don't really like i i certainly don't go to rotten tomatoes i go to imdb for entertainment (laughs) to see like crazy like you know people who are Mm -hmm. unhinged and say like crazy shit about movies yeah yeah, um but otherwise i think i mostly just like to you know pull up an article that someone wrote
1: i i think that would be a actually thinking about it that'd be an interesting idea for a uh An every so often kind of recurring episode where we just do a um, a book club, but the the uh, the book club is us just reading IMDb reviews and then talking about them.
0: Yeah, I'd I'd love to do that. We could just
1: (laughs) be a good whenever we don't whenever we need a filler (laughs)
0: episode, we don't know what to talk about, and we're like trying to watch movies and get caught up. It's just like, oh, let's just do an IMDb (laughs) episode where you just read IMDb reviews for like an hour.
1: Oh, my gosh. They are. It's the gift that keeps on giving. uh, I
0: mean, yeah, I guess they keep on giving. We've we've looked at so many of them, though. We have to stop looking at them and save
1: some. Yeah, there are so many, though. There's so many films. Did
0: I send you the one the the one (laughs) the person wrote about Lost in Translation about how they were they were mad that nothing happened in the movie and they're like i was just waiting for like something to happen i thought like maybe godzilla would show up and start stomping on tokyo but then the movie (laughs) just ended
1: (laughs) (laughs) he gave it like one star oh man yeah imagine that movie with godzilla i mean (laughs) yeah i'd
0: watch a sophia coppola like kaiju movie
1: (laughs) that'd be interesting for sure. Just,
0: just someone looking out of a skyscraper very sadly. I think, sc- I
1: think the kai, I think the kaiju though has to be a giant Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> I think it just has to be a giant woman film. It's just <laughs> Kirsten Dunst playing the yeah, the just- monster.
0: There's <laughs> just there's got to be people looking out the window sadly at the city being destroyed, and then Phoenix soundtrack. it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. just Phoenix. Yeah, yeah it's just yeah, these yeah, long yeah, takes yeah. yeah that'd be a great movie yeah. i'd watch oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be so good
1: throw some like dream pop or shoegaze in the background yeah. <laughs> oh man okay well uh all right well i think that's a, a good place to end yeah that's a great place our, to our end. sophia sophia coppola episode thank you for listening if you did
0: yeah i don't know Enjoy how to end it, podcasts
1: either um just say uh stay tuned for more and then you end it okay thanks for listening bye okay bye